I was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. I mean, I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old. Boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the Orsi sport podcast that explores how lead athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say that my guest today is four-time All-Ireland winner with Wexford, Ursula Jacob. Ursula, you're so very, very welcome. Newly retired as well. What are you doing with all your free time? I, I haven't seen any of this free time just yet. It's still so fresh, but yeah, look, at I, I decided to fully, fully retired from Club and County only a couple of weeks ago. So um, I'm looking forward to a, a different kind of summer and year ahead where I'll be watching from the sidelines as opposed to playing. And how are you feeling about that? Because, you know, it's one thing retiring from County and still having the club. It's a whole other thing giving it up like. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a huge, um, you know, adjustment for me, and that's the only way I've, I kind of can describe it at the moment. Because as you said, when I retired from Wexford back in 2015, which is seven years ago, I can't believe it. Um, I always knew I was coming back to a, a really strong club. Uh, I knew I was still going to be playing at a high, high playing level. So, a retirement at Wexford wasn't so hard. Uh, whereas. I suppose with Owlard, it's maybe that little bit different because it's the club, it's where you've come mm. from, it's where you started your camogie. And I've been playing senior club camogie for 22 years, so I've never known any, anything different since I was 14 years of age. Um, so, look, it's going to be a massive adjustment, but it's one that I'm very satisfied with too because I've got so much out of my career and maybe I didn't get the, you know, the fairy tale ending I was looking for, but um, it still doesn't take away from the massive amount of highs I've had over the years. How difficult was it, though, to, to not go out in a high, to, to lose that All-Ireland Club final? Yeah, look at it, 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 extremely, extremely disappointing. And I remember when the final whistle went and, you know, the emotions, I knew deep down that was my last game, not just losing the final, but I knew that was going to be my last time playing with Owlard. And I would have kind of uh, said it was my one chance to say it to the management and the players in the dressing room afterwards. And that was quite emotional. Um, but I said that was going to be the one time where us as a group uh, who've put so much into it, I was going to be able to say my few words and... I got to see all my family after the game. And look, I was very, very emotional, but Sarsfields are an incredible team. We got one over them in December and look, they came back with massive amount of spirit, heart. I'd admire them as a, a brilliant club team as well. So look, we lost to an extremely talented, uh, brilliant team. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a disappointing way to, to finish up. And probably especially because there had been so many big events around the time as well, like one All-Ireland final that you won and then obviously getting back on the journey again to get to another one and then throw in a few weddings and in the middle as well and just people making, going through life moments as well. So it was just like this big, long, special journey that you were on. Without a doubt, the last couple of months, kind of maybe the last six, seven months have just been manic for so many different reasons. Obviously, you know, it was brilliant throughout COVID having the distraction of Camogie, um, even when we were doing the individual sessions. And then I suppose we got on this little bit of momentum and roll come kind of September last year where we were winning the county final and one game seemed to roll into the next. And 
we, we kind of found ourselves into an All Ireland final. Maybe a lot of people, you know, were surprised or whatever by that. But look, we knew we had a talented group, and and it brought us right up to Christmas. And obviously, then myself and Stacey Kyo, two two of us who were playing on the team, had weddings in between those games and Christmas and throwing everything else. So there wasn't much time to uh, getting too stressed about weddings or any any jitters or anything. But it, look, I, I'm even looking back on it now and it's been a really special time. Um, yeah, as I said, losing back in March was very, very disappointing, but it still doesn't take away from what we achieved uh, back in December. If anyone had said to me a couple of years ago that we'd win two county titles, two Leinsters, reach to our Ireland's and win one of them, I probably would have, you know, jumped at it because we had lost a couple of county finals and maybe a lot of people felt we were kind of the aging team and gone past it. So I think we proved a few people wrong as well with, with how we kind of got back up to the top of the ladder. Yeah, that's for sure. But isn't everything that you went through just reflective of what everyone in the GA has gone through for so long. But usually the focus is on the men, you know, men getting married and men having their day and, you know, the brides having to to miss out maybe on celebrations because they know there's a match the next day. But I loved the fact that it was it was yeah. the girls getting married. It was the women. It was their turn. It was the men that were, you know, having to do things a little <laughs> bit differently. But I think that's a real sign of progress as well. That Yeah, without a doubt. Um, look, yeah. look I, I remember even saying to Stacey Kyo, because obviously her wedding was the night before the Club All Ireland in December. And Stacey, the week of training, uh, the week of the wedding and the week of the match was just so focused on the, the match. It was just so funny when I look back on it that, you were asking her about the wedding. Ah, yeah, that'll be grand. You know, there was no yeah, fuss. Yeah. We had our last training session on the Thursday night, the night before her wedding. And she's there, her and her twin sister, Shelley, togged out, training, fully fake tanned, all nails done. <laughs> and their focus was still, they didn't want to miss the last session. And look at, in fairness, you know, Damien, her husband, and my now husband, Brendan, you know, have been extremely understanding and patient with us because... We, we've put Camogie to the front of so much in the last couple of months. And, you know, even for my wedding, obviously we were coming off the high of winning the All-Ireland, but then the stressful period where I had to reduce the numbers massively. So um, there's been so many highs and lows in the space of a couple of weeks around Christmas that um, I, I keep saying to Stacey, we're going to look back on this in years to come and just smile because um, <laughs> what we managed to achieve in those few weeks of getting married, winning matches, covid has been fairly uh, extraordinary really yeah it really really has okay so we're going to take um a little bit of a trip down memory lane and first of all I just want you to if you can recall your very first memories of sport yeah I was I was thinking about this and I suppose there's a couple that kind of come to mind um one of the biggest occasions in in the Owler the Ballock area obviously where I'm from was Owlert winning their first senior county title back in 94. I would have been nine years of age. My dad was a selector uh, with the team. And I remember myself and my sister, Helena, the two of us going to every training session, every match that year, and just living down at the pitch. And I suppose it's only when I look back on it now that, you know, that's where, you know, other people maybe went to the cinema or went to the park or whatever. We went to the pitch and I'd say we were at more sessions than some of the players. And that just became the norm. Daddy was going to training and we jumped into the back of the car and off we went. And just the sense of achievement, enjoyment that that brought to the club. And that kind of really started off the kind of winning ways for Owler to Ballock. So that's definitely a standout memory for me. And then obviously followed closely by Wexford winning 
1996. Um, unfortunately, we haven't won one since. But just looking back on that year, you know, I was an 11-year-old and followed the team just religiously that year. You know, at that stage, um, we would have went up and down on the train, like from Wexford to Dublin and the crack we had and every every random stranger, every Wexford supporter coming up to dad because obviously he was well known, he was an ex-Wexford hurler and you nearly feel in this sense of oh you know pride that everyone was coming up to your daddy and asking him about the game and um, you know traveling to the matches and you know meeting so many people on the trains but every game you know getting over the line against Kilkenny and Offaly and Galway and then getting to the final and you're kind of thinking oh my God, uh, you know, what if we win this? You know, because Martin Story was the captain. He was a local man for us. And so there was even that bigger hype around the area. And I I remember the weekend of the Arl Ireland, mom and dad said, oh, if we get to the Arl Ireland, we're going to spend the weekend up in Dublin. Now, this was the biggest thing that was ever, you know, you think we were going to like Disneyland, you know, to to, um, you know, to have fun. But we thought this was the biggest thing ever. We were staying up in Malahide in the B&B and mum and dad were going up to, going to RT for up for the match. And we were watching them on the telly thinking, wow, they're on the telly. You know, when I think of how, you know, harmless in a good way uh, that we were, that we were just so young and so excited. And then the game itself, um, we, unfortunately, all six of us, my mom and dad and my three uh, siblings, we couldn't all sit together because obviously tickets were at, so scarce. So we were kind of plotted all around Crow Park, but myself and my sister, Helena, were sitting in the area in the Hogan stand with uh, one of the Wexford All-Ireland winning teams and we were sitting with the records and all of these. And I'll never forget sitting there and they're giving us like Werder Original Sweets watching the 96 All-Ireland and how kind and nice they were to us because they knew we were Mick Jacobs' daughters. Yeah. And like when I probably didn't realise at the time that we were sitting beside literal legends of the game, but sure we just took it that they were Wexford supporters and being nice, giving us sweets. And then when the game ended and the celebrations and the homecoming, and then there was an extra homecoming to Owlert because Martin Story was captain. So like I'd still get excited talking about it because even though I was only 11, it's still so fresh in my mind because it was such an excitement and hype. And we went to the banquet and we were there in the hotel the next day and just meeting all the players. And there were such heroes to every one of us. Um, and the time they gave to all the children and supporters as well just stands out. So that's probably the overall standout memory of sport and GA when I was a, a young kid. Uh, they're amazing memories, like they're class when you think about it. And I always say anyone that grew up and experienced hurling in the 90s was really, really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> to have those memories are, are brilliant. So who were your heroes then? Like you're obviously surrounded by them, so you definitely had plenty to pick from. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, luckily enough, I didn't really have to look too far outside the parish even. You know, like dad to me was always a hero. I suppose looking back on some of the games that, that he played, obviously I didn't see him when he was at his prime playing at Wexford and Owlert but obviously he would be a hero of mine but when I look at from a camogie point of view Fiona Dunn from from Owlert who'd be Liam and Tomas and Sean Dunn's sister to me she was the greatest player ever and I was lucky enough that I actually got to play with her and that still to me you know they say oh you shouldn't meet your heroes and all of this but 
Fiona, you know, was a great friend, a big influence on me. She was someone I aspired to be like. And I remember going up to watch Wexford in the early 90s play Kilkenny against that great Kilkenny team of the Downey sisters up in Crow Park. Now, obviously, the result didn't go our way, but Fiona, to me, was just up on a pedestal and I just wanted to be like her. She had everything, skill, uh, the intelligence on the field. And then when I was looking enough at... 14, 15 years of age to get on to the Owlert Senior Panel. She was obviously still playing. And I remember feeling so intimidated being in the, the panel and playing on the team with her. And now when I think back on it, and even when she texts me now up until a couple of weeks ago, you know, best of luck in the, the Club All Ireland, you'd still get those little kind of tingles that Fiona, even though she probably doesn't even realise it, how much of a hero she would have been to me when I was growing up. So she's so modest anyway, you know, she would never view herself in that way. But to me, she was the ultimate player for me. And if she was around playing Camogie these days, she'd be player of the year, all-star winner. She had everything to me. Um, and then just getting to play alongside her was just the pure dream. And then look at obviously Martin Story was another person mm -hmm. that I admire so much. And he gave, he's given so much back to the club as well, not just as a player, but he's been over us at Camogie and Hurland. So he, he's just given so much to GA and to Owler, to Balakam Exeter that I'd have to admire him for, you know, everything that he's done um, from a player and a manager point of view. Did you play other sports? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, now, Owler, it's not a, a dual club or anything. Yeah. Um, even though some people would try to maybe bring in the, the Gaelic football element. But uh, I would have played quite a bit of Gaelic football in, in secondary school with Clash de Breed. And uh, like some people had laugh. Uh, uh, my my position on the football field was full back. So the com complete opposite to um, uh, with Camogie. But the reason I was full back was because I wasn't the, I wasn't the most accurate, but I was a very determined, um, sticky player. So I, I we won a couple of Leinster titles with the school uh, and I was actually captain of the team. So I mustn't have been too bad, but I, I never, I was kind of content and happy enough to just stick with the Camogie. Um, and the other sport I would have um, participated in when I was uh, young was athletics. Now, I, got, I more got roped into that rather than having a real enjoyment into it. Uh, Mary Lacey, obviously a great Wexford player, Owler player. Her mother, Margaret, would have driven the two of us into Inniscarty Athletics Club. Now, if anyone knows Mary and me, Mary would be naturally athletic, naturally very, very fit. And I'll never forget us running around random fields in Inniscarty doing miles and miles and miles. And I absolutely hate every part of it. But I suppose the best part of it was stopping off at the shop on the way home, maybe getting some sweets. But uh, my athletics career didn't last too long either. I was I was content enough with, with Camogie. <laughs> well, that was good. At least you had something that you knew you really loved and you, you, yeah. know, you didn't feel like you're missing it and anything. So when did you realise that you were you were pretty good at Camogie? Yeah, I, I think I kind of always felt pretty at home in a kind of GA setting and on the pitch because when I think back on younger, when I dabbled in a few things, like I remember entering a singing competition and even gymnastics when I was younger. And I remember nearly getting, I actually got stage fright where I wouldn't go on this. I was in this singing competition now. I was no <laughs> talented singer, but I entered it because I was quite good. And I remember at the last minute wouldn't go on stage. And the same with gymnastics. We used to have gymnastic competitions in school. Again, when it would come to my turn, no, wouldn't, wouldn't go out and perform, even though it was something very basic. Mm. But when it came to the pitch, um, I was just very, very comfortable. And I remember being in third class in school and 
we used to have a skills competition in, in County Wexford. So every school in, in um, Wexford entered in the skills competition. So uh, you had to qualify from your school first. And obviously I was up against like Mary Lacey, <laughs> who I've grown literally up with. Um, and I, 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 got, I got through it when I was in third class. So I entered, I was into the Wexford finals. And I remember winning that and kind of feeling, God, you know, I, I, the skills that I had to do, whether it was taking freeze, roll lifts, mm -hmm. uh, sideline cuts, it all came quite natural. Now, in saying that, I, I think I worked hard at it too. I found myself in the pitch nearly every evening because mum and dad were over team. So if I was in the pitch, I wasn't just hanging around doing anything. I would find myself taking freeze or practicing sideline. So... There definitely was a, a part of me that worked hard at it, but it did come quite natural to me as well. And then obviously at under 12, I remember I was playing with the, the boys team and we, we won an under 12 county final. And, you know, it was more about, it wasn't about the size, it was the skill that I had that I made the team. Obviously, obviously the boys were a lot bigger and stronger, mm -hmm. but my skill level and Mary Lacey was centre back on the team and I was centre forward. And we were the starring players at under 12. So... I suppose if I was making the hurling team, I probably started to realise I mustn't be too bad. So um, they were probably the standout things. And then obviously being selected to play at mini sevens in Crow mm. Park and thinking the 80,000 people that are there on our Ireland final day are watching you for those five minutes at half time. Um, and I played during the 97 and 98 finals. And I just remember saying, I hope I get to play here one day a full match. And thankfully that did happen. Oh wow, that's a that's another great memory to have. Yeah. And having the even the belief that you would would get there is is pretty cool as well. Yeah, well, I I think that was always the ambition. Mm. And when you got out onto the pitch in Crow Park, everything seemed so big, and you're kind of saying to yourself, "Well, this is the pinnacle. This is where if I want to be the best at what I want to do, I have to get to Crow Park." So, and at that stage, the only games from a Camogie point of view that were happening in Crow Park was a senior All-Ireland. Mm. So that was the aim, I suppose, from a very early age. So when you were developing as a Camogie player, what did you have to work on most of, in your game? Um, I, I think, as I said, the skills came quite natural. But when I was younger, um, definitely, I suppose, I was the free taker. So that was one skill that's a very specialised skill. Mm. It's not just by chance that the ball goes over, over the bar. You do have to practice it. Um, so that was definitely one, one ele element of my play that, I felt I needed to practice in order to have that kind of consistency. But I made the big mistake when I was probably 15, 16, saying to dad, let's go down to the pitch because uh, he was going to show me the proper way to take a free. Um, and to this day, he still reckons I don't align myself up correctly in taking frees. So he's still telling me at 36 years of age that your, your shoulder's not in line with the goalpost. And I remember having this argument with him saying, dad, the, the points or the ball is still going over the bar. Why are you still getting on to me that my, my shoulder is not in line? And to me, it is in line, but seemingly people, when they say they see me watching or when they watch me take a free, they say um, I kind of straighten up at the last minute. So it's my own unique way mm -hmm. of, of taking free, so I, I'll go with it. And I suppose as things got that bit, mo bit more professional with Wexford um, and Camogie in general, it was kind of the nutritional side of things and working on the stamina um, side of things because... Yes, my, my pace over the kind of five, 10 metres uh, was very, very good. But the stamina of kind of maintaining that high level over the 60 minutes was something that I had to maybe work that little bit harder on and kind of getting 
you know, you know, honing in on my diet and my nutrition because I could even see 10, 12 years ago when I was playing with Wexford, things were getting to a higher level and you couldn't afford to be in college eating mm-hmm. crap all week and then coming home expecting everything was just going to yeah, yeah, tweak yeah. into place. So when I look back on maybe what I was eating during my college days versus <laughs> now, like I wouldn't even be playing now because I, I, I just wouldn't be at that standard because the, it, you weren't getting the right food into yeah, it. But yeah. it was lack of knowledge as well and things have progressed so much, but they were probably the few things that I had to, you know, work that little bit harder on. Well, at home, was it just like hurling 24-7? Yeah. <laughs> um, simple as um, I suppose look at mom and dad you know have been the main influence in my life but on all four of us you know like mom was the local primary school teacher so she was kind of heavily involved in the GA in the school and then dad was over every underage hurling team and a selector with the seniors so you couldn't help but find yourself down at the pitch every evening and at times I don't know how they did it because as we got older, we were going in different directions. We were playing with county teams or school teams or college teams, but yet there was only two of them. And mm-hmm. as Mam said, she became the greatest taxi driver at times, uh, bringing us everywhere. But look, at it, and it is a bit kind of cheesy or cliche or whatever, but we did play all Ireland's out in the front lawn. Our next door neighbours were, were Mark and Keith Roster, like uh, Keith hurled with Wexford for many mm-hmm. years. And we used to have the greatest games out the front. And I think that kind of toughened myself and my sister Helene up a lot too, because it usually was just a heap of lads and then the two of us. Um, but Helena probably did most of the donkey work and I was kind of the goal poacher. So um, I don't know if that's a reflection of me as a player or just taking the handy way out. Um, but yeah, great memories. And I, I never, like, some people, like, said, oh, did you not go on holidays when you were younger? Like, our holidays was, like, going to Crow Park or mm. going to a big game and then stopping off on the way home, like, getting a takeaway or getting chips or an ice cream. Like, it was really innocent stuff, but it makes me smile so much because I wouldn't change that for the world. Like, we're not happy families all the time. There was plenty of rows, but, um, like, you'll never get those times back where mm-hmm. you as a family are going to all these games. Um, and then it changed, obviously, progressively over the year that mom and dad were going watching us play. You know, we weren't travelling with them. So, yeah, it, look, it's it's a huge part of our life um, and it'll always, will be that too. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And yeah. I love when I see people doing the same again you know now with their own kids and, and hearing yeah. the, the stories and just watching the the cycle go go around and round and seeing that you know those experiences are still there for people just despite the way the world has changed so much yeah so was there a moment then where you thought right you know I can make it here at the top like I belong here you know at the top level in my sport yeah um, probably it was at club level again when I started out playing with with Owlert seniors and I kind of was holding my own in the Wexford County Championship, uh, Club Championship. And, you know, even at an early age, I was one of maybe the leading players on, on the club team. Um, and you kind of, you would grow in confidence from that then as well, you know. And I was the free taker and I was, you know, scoring quite a bit. And then that led on to, like, secondary school was a big influence on on my career. And, you know, Clash the Breed and Inniscarty was where the bulk of, the Wexford kind of great camogie teams and the Owler players went to school. Um, and we were very, very lucky to achieve a lot of both junior and senior level. And I remember when I was in first year in school, um, like being on the senior team and I was put in the goal. And I was kind of put in the goal because 
and they said, oh, she's a very good um, hurler, but probably a little bit small to be playing out the field. Um, and we, we reached the All-Ireland when I was in first year, and I met, I'll never forget playing Charleville of Cork in Nina, and it was 12 aside at that stage, and Nina were very, or Charleville mm -hmm. were extremely strong, and they, they, they were completely dominating schools, Camogie at that time. But we got to the final anyway, it was, it was a huge deal. But it was a really wet and windy, miserable day. And I'll never forget standing in the goal in Nina and the goalposts fell backwards. Like there were the little plastic ones. And me standing there and there was no goal. And Charleville had possession. But sure, they couldn't shoot because the goalposts. Um, you know, it's only little things like that you look yeah. back on. But that Closh de Breed and secondary school Camogie laid the platform for a lot of us because it got us onto county teams. We got we, we became more recognised, you know, both in Wexford and outside of it as well when we were playing the likes of Charleville at our Ireland schools level. So, yeah, I think secondary school definitely, um, you know, laid a lot of um, platforms for me and other players for Wexford and Owlert. Was there any talk of you staying in the goal? <laughs> Well, I made my debut at Wexford um, from that. So <laughs> it all completely happened by accident that I ended up in the goal. But the reason why I ended up in the Wexford senior goal at 14 years of age making my debut was because I broke my wrist. And I was still under 14 at the time and um, recovered anyway. I made it back for the Leinster final for the under 14s. But they said, oh, we'll throw you in the goal. And I played really well in the Leinster final. And the senior manager either got wind of this or he said, look, will you come in the goal uh, for the seniors? Dan Quigley, like a, a Wexford great hurler, he was overs. And uh, made my debut against Tipperary in Turles. It was the game actually before Dublin and Kerry where Morris Fitzgerald and his yeah. brilliant kick. So if you can imagine a little 14-year-old playing before that and just standing there in complete awe of the crowd coming into Turles. Um, now I can say my debut didn't go too well. I let in three goals and we lost to Tipperary. But look, when you had some of the best players ever to play Camogie, Deirdre Hughes, um, Claire Grogan, like they were they were going for three in a row and Wexford were really struggling at that stage. But um, the highlight of the day for me was sharing the dressing room with, with the Dublin footballers afterwards and getting to see Jason and Sherlock and all these guys, you know, coming out of the dressing room. And there was no kind of... I wasn't even disappointed about losing. I was just so excited about seeing the football match and what a game it was too. Yeah, one of those most famous ones. Yeah. At the time as well, Sri Davy Fitz was in goals for Clare, so the small goalie was probably all the rage. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell him that now. <laughs> Thanks well, so look, at, he had a lot more successful career in the goal than I did, but um, in fairness, yeah, God, I, I have to say I love Davy as a, as a goalie, but... I definitely, um, I, I definitely me remember saying after that, saying, I want to be up the field in the forward <laughs> line. I said, I don't want to be in the goal anymore because, as I said, I was completely thrown in there by accident. And me being at 14 years of age, if a senior county manager is asking you to come in, you're not going to say no. But I did say the following year, please, can you put me up in the forward? So thankfully... I've never been put back there yet anyway. <laughs> yes. Um, was there any reservations from your parents? You're, you've been so young going into the senior setup. No, I don't think so. Um, like, when I think back on it now, it, it seems completely mm. mad that a 14-year-old, I suppose there was no age restrictions back then. Now you yeah. have to be 16, I think, or, or older to play senior. 
like being 14, like I, I definitely was too young. I definitely wasn't mature enough to be playing senior camogie. I think maybe they would have been maybe more concerned if I was playing out the field, but mom and dad kind of left it up to me. And I suppose I had my sister playing as well with the team. Yeah. And I remember her saying, oh, I'll protect you. She was in the full back line, but I didn't feel too protected that day. <laughs> there was so much coming in on me. But yeah, mom and dad, I think kind of knew that the talent and, you know, I kind of yeah. had the ability um, and maybe they just kind of said they'd leave it up to me. I, I don't remember having any conversation where they were saying, no, you can't play. Um, I suppose they were just probably happy that I was playing at a high level um, and had seen what I did with the schools and at under 14. So um, they yeah. never really, they never really said, no, I couldn't play anyway. I think they were just happy enough that I was, that I was loving it and wanted to be there. I think a few years before that, we'll say before you had um, made your debut, Veronica Curtin had won All-Ireland with Galway at 15. Yeah. So that was, not that it was the norm, but it wasn't, I suppose, absolutely crazy then for young girls it, to be going in. because wasn't. Done that. It yeah. Was, yeah, you had the likes of Veronica, you had yeah. Claire Grogan. Actually, Claire won most, most of her All-Irelands with tip, you know, and she wasn't even 20, 21 years of age. Yeah. You know, Camogie, I suppose, was maybe different back then as well, but... It was the norm, you know, there was no, there was no one saying, oh, we need to protect um, these 14 or 15 year old girls. Um, I, I think, you know, there'd be an outcry of people if that happened now that there was 14 year olds playing. You couldn't have it now because the game yeah. has progressed so, so much and it's that bit more physical. Because um, when I look at 14 year olds now, I'm like, oh my God, there's no way they could be playing even senior club, let alone yeah, inter-county yeah. senior. Um, so yeah, but it, it just was the norm back then. Yeah, big time. And sure, look, because it was always a case where the game was so much still in its infancy, trying to make up numbers. You didn't really have a choice at That's, senior level. And that was, that was part of it, really, yeah. because uh, even, you know, the as you said, numbers was a struggle. And then the pitch was that bit smaller as well. Yeah. You know, and as I said, there wasn't the same level of physicality back then either. Yeah. So when you look at your career then, what was the biggest setback that you had to overcome? Um, luckily, I haven't had any major injury setbacks. Uh, you know, some people have really had that over the years. Thankfully, I've been very, very lucky. Other than the worst injury I probably had was a, a broken thumb a few years ago. But look, um, got through that and it didn't cause me major you know, setbacks or whatever. Um, probably back in 2010, when JJ Doyle and the new management team at Wexford um, took over the team, um, I suppose we had a couple of disappointing years between 07 and 2010, where we were underperforming, we weren't achieving our potential. And I remember JJ and his management team coming in and kind of completely changing things in terms of the, you know, the standards they expected, the professionalism, getting in Jerry McQuaid, our fitness coach. And I remember I was in college at that stage and uh, myself and a couple of girls, Katrina Park, were down in WIT playing Ashburn Camogie and we won Ashburn. So I was missing the early kind of pre-season trainings with Wexford. And um, we came back in then maybe around March after winning the Ashburn. And we were still in the league at that stage. And I suppose early on, you know, you're kind of getting heat. JJ and his team are getting used to us and we're getting used mm. to them. And I remember... Uh, a couple of games went by and, you know, I wasn't started and Katrina was and I was kind of, I suppose I was kind of wondering, God, I, I had put in some very good performances with WIT. 
then it came to the league semi-final, wasn't started. And I was kind of like, God, I'm doing, I, I felt I was doing good in training. I was kind of feeling a little bit disillusioned or whatever. And then it came to the league final. Anyway, we qualified to play Kilkenny um, in the league final. And the team was announced as normal on the Wednesday night before the, the weekend. And uh, the team was named anyway. And again, I was a sub and I was kind of, God almighty, I said, I'm not going to keep giving out here. I'm going to kind of maybe ask the question, you know, what, what am I doing or what do I need to do to get back, you know, to get on the team? You know, I felt I was, I was coming in off a confident performance in the Ashburn Cup, all of that. And I was training well. And I remember, you know, JJ saying to me, you know, and he'd be very direct and very blunt. And look, me and JJ get on great. There's no animosity there. But I remember him saying to me, um, he just didn't view me in the top eight forwards in Wexford. And I, I'd say my jaw went so low. I was like, no, I wasn't even considered in the top six. I wasn't even in the top eight. And I remember kind of saying, God, you know, I, I, I was, what, 24, 25 years of age at that stage. I should have been in my peak, my prime of camogie. And I remember kind of going away from that training session, driving back to Waterford that night and arriving back in Waterford so upset and so disillusioned by all of this. And thinking, I'm not going to get my place back on this team. It was the biggest deal to me ever that I wasn't going to be on the team. I was going to be a sub. And he just didn't view me. I was going to have to have eight players playing worse than me in the forwards before I was going to, you know, get, get my starting place. So I remember ringing my mom and I said, that's it. You know, I was going to be all dramatic. I'm quitting. I'm giving up. I'm not playing. He's just not going to have me in his plans. And I remember my brother, Michael, got, I was on the phone as well with me. And I was so upset. And he said, no stick stick at it you will get your chance you'll get your point to prove you'll be able to and I think sometimes maybe that's a characteristic in me maybe when my back's against the wall mm -hmm. or I have a point to prove I really kind of rise to, to the occasion and the league final came anyway and we were playing Kilkenny and we were two points down about five minutes to go and uh, or we were one point down sorry with five minutes to go and JJ calls me uh, to say come on you're coming in and I'm like so pissed off and so annoyed and whatever. But I said, look, put that aside. We have a game here to win. Came in anyway, full forward. A ball came in after 30 seconds and I put the ball over the bar. And I remember the ref, for some reason, there was four or five minutes of injury time. So it felt like I was on the field a lot longer. And a ball came in a couple of minutes later and lo and behold, didn't I get the winner? Well, I'll never forget, like, obviously we won the league final. JJ yeah. and me and everyone embraced and hugged. Started every championship game afterwards. It was the first All-Ireland of the three in a row. And I ended up being top scorer of the championship that year. And I remember kind of having this satisfaction that, well, I did put, prove my point and I definitely was uh, within the top eight forwards in Wexford. But I think why I say that was possibly could have been a huge setback was because I, I kind of only realised now maybe the resilience that I showed mm. that I stuck at it rather than some people would have taken the easy option and said, look, I'll give up. There's no point, whatever. But I kind of, there was a stubbornness in me too, even though I probably had to be slightly coaxed a bit by my family saying, come on, there's more in yeah. you. You'll prove your point. You'll get your chance. But it was hard to be told that you weren't <laughs> within the top eight players in, in your own county, let alone in Ireland or Leinster yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So um, look, JJ was a fantastic manager, you know, and I was able to look back on that in a, in a positive way too. And, you know, we went on to have huge success with JJ. Uh, maybe he viewed it as a way to get more out of me. I don't know, but um, that would be probably one of the 
kind of setbacks, but then turned into a really positive thing too. Yeah, absolutely. So who had the biggest impact on your career then? Um, look, without a doubt, the easy thing here for me is my parents and family uh, as a whole. Look, mom and dad instilled so much kind of characteristics, positive characteristics into all four of us. Um, and me being the youngest of four, my two older brothers and my older sister, Helena, were able to, you know, really kind of guide and support me too. And maybe they had that kind of protective nature in them as well, me being the youngest. But obviously, mom and dad played a huge part in us. As I said, when we were younger, we wouldn't have been able to get to any of these trainings or matches without them. But, yeah. you know, always being there uh, for us no matter what. Maybe having to tell us some home truths when we needed to hear it too, but always kind of finding the positive as well. And that's the thing I kind of think with dad especially. Daddy loves talking about a game after it's win or lose. Whereas I sometimes want to shy away from talking about it if you lose, but he'd be there looking for the positives and always looking for the next game or the next year or the next match. Uh, and mom, you know, Everyone always says, oh, you're Mick Jacobs' daughter, but my mom has played such a huge part in all our lives as well on a sporting uh, front because, like, she represented Wexford as well, but she uh, kind of provides that calmness and uh, the bit that you need as well to kind of keep us modest and grounded as, as well. So I, I'd owe a huge amount to her, but look, my sister Helena, like, has went through all of what I've went through, whether it was with schools, club, county, um, and she'll always be my big sister. She'll always be the one that, um, you know, if things are not going well, she'll give the kind word. Um, she'll always be such a level-headed person. And she's had huge experience in the management side of things as well. But she would, to me, is one of the most important people on those panels with Wexford because even though she was so goalie, she played such a role in, if she knew someone was nervous, she'd have a quiet word. I remember in one of the All-Irelands, I missed a couple of, relatively easy freeze and coming in at half time and you know the management were probably not happy with me with the freeze I missed and she, she said you have a second half now to prove it and you know little things like that she probably wouldn't have realized how much that meant to me um and then getting to share those experiences with her as yeah. well at club and county and schools level um it's brilliant that like family is everything like as in your friends and who you grow up with is so important but your sister or your brothers or your mom and dad know the sacrifices you've made. They know the commitment you've put in. They know if you're feeling a bit down or whatever. They've seen the highs and lows and you can kind of fully open up to them. So, look, family has played a huge part in all of that for me. What about performance-wise? So when you were growing up and winning those All-Irelands in your front garden, when you look back on that time and then think of your career, is there a performance that defines everything that you're about or that a performance that you dreamed of having that you did have? Um, well, look, I think probably the obvious one that a lot of people would associate with me would be the 2012 All-Ireland against Cork. Um, so Wexford were going for the three in a row. Cork were, you know as any car team in a final hour, you know, they were going in with full of confidence. Paddy Murray had just come, had, had started his journey with Cork and we played him in the league that year as well. And there was very little between the two teams. And, you know, I remember a lot of people saying, coming into that final, you know, Cork were the fast, quick team and Wexford maybe were that bit more physical and dogged and whatever. It was kind of two contrasting teams. Mm. But look, you know, on our Ireland final day in Crow Park is where you want to do it on the biggest stage. Um, and thankfully, look, I've had brilliant memories in Crow Park. 
2012 stands out so much because it was a brilliant game of camogie. Two top-class teams fully went at it. The referee contributed to it as well because he let the game flow. And um, I just think some of the scores that day, you know, were just incredible from both sides. But we were probably in the second half, you know, Cork had kind of really got back into it. And I remember Katrina Mackey got a, an incredible goal and kind of they looked like they were going to get on top. And I think that's kind of when I really sprung into action that day in the second half. And um, we kind of needed, I knew we kind of needed a goal badly. And uh, thankfully, I got got one. And then a couple of minutes later, in the spell of a five-minute period, there was three goals. I got two and Katrina got one. Um, and obviously, the second goal I got, which was the, the ground stroke that went past Aoife Murray in the goal, like fantastic keeper as well, um, stands out in a lot of people's memories. And I'll never forget the chills of just, it was like a... Um, just from the crowd with the cheers and the roar, roars, it was like a vibration came out onto the pitch. I probably felt like there was 80,000 there, even yeah. though there was probably 20, 25,000. But I could see how much it meant to everyone. You know, we probably didn't realise back then, like, oh my God, what we achieved and scoring 2-7 in a final, um, you know, player of the match. That's when you want to do it, like, but at the end of the day, I would always feel it didn't matter if it was me getting it, getting the scores or the goals or whatever. I just cared about Wexford winning mm. um, and that we achieved the three in a row. And it's hard to believe now that we've A, not been back in a final and we haven't won a final since, you know, and probably back in 2012, we all felt this was going to go on for another couple of years. But look, that's just the way it goes. And, and that's a credit to other teams as well mm -hmm. that have come come up the, you know, up the blocks as well. But yeah, the 2020, 2012 final definitely stands out uh, for many reasons. Um, and obviously the goal that I got would stand out in many people's memories as well. Yeah, that's for sure. What about your greatest success then, Ursula? What do you think it is? I actually think my greatest success, um, you know, I know some people might say, oh, win, win a certain final or a match or whatever, but I actually think it's the, my, the longevity of my career. Um, you know, as I said, like I played 16 years with Wexford, uh, like from 14 to 30, and then I played 22 years senior with Owlert. And thankfully, as I said, I never really um, suffered any major injuries. There was no break in that. I didn't go traveling. I didn't go on a foreign holiday for 16 years. You know, all those years at Wexford. And I, like, I remember the, the first year I'd retired at Wexford, I said, I don't care where. I ended up just going to Spain for a week with my sister because it felt like such a thrill getting to go abroad in the summer. Um, my, the furthest I got to was Kerry, like maybe for a few days because we had a break in training. But... Um, I definitely think the longevity of my career is probably the, the biggest success. And then in recent years, um, I would feel what we achieved with Owlert, just a massive thing, because as I said, um, we overcame it a lot. We had lost a couple of county finals in Wexford. It didn't look like we were going to win another one. Um, you know, some of the girls were kind of moving on, whether they were getting married or uh, getting pregnant. And that's that's just part of life too. And you can't, you can't expect people to put their life on hold completely. Um, and we lost a couple of county finals, but I think the satisfaction in the last couple of years in what we've achieved has just makes me smile so much because, you know, when people are doubting what you can do and what you can achieve, and we just put our heads down and worked so, so hard. And it was a really strange, difficult couple of years because obviously 
some of it was you know in isolation and you were doing individual training I think that nearly is why it meant so much as well because you could see how much it meant to the people in your parish but also it really showed whether or not you wanted it and I've said this quite a lot in the last couple of months but I've pro- I probably never enjoyed my camogie as much as I did in the last kind of year or two and that's so so strange because we played matches where there was no one at the games we played matches where you know the unknown we didn't know was games going to happen but for some reason I think my motivation was never as high um, and it was just such a positive distraction throughout COVID as well that you really just had to kind of put the head down and say, okay, I'm doing this for, for myself, for my family, for my for my club. So I think longevity is the best way to put it up rather than saying win a certain match yeah. or win a final. I just think, you know, the fact that I got through that long of a career without any major breaks, an odd injury here and there um, is a huge credit. What do you think your legacy is going to be? Um, well, I'd hope it would be that, you know, I played the game in the right spirit. You know, I was very, you know, I was tough. I, I'd be cranky at times on the pitch, but I do consider that I was sporting as well. Um, and as I said, recognizing that you're coming up against great teams and players and it's all right to be cranky as well, because that, that just shows your competitive nature. But, um, I think like, I would consider always at club and county level, even when I was quite young, I always considered that I was a, a good leader. I led by example and I always tried to try to have the attitude that I'm going to train with how I want to play. And I'd nearly get frustrated if standards weren't high. Like if I felt that we weren't pushing ourselves hard enough, I'd be getting nearly cranky about it. And I'd be demanding that we we push ourselves higher. And it wouldn't be just me who'd be like that, but that definitely is a characteristic in me that, you know, I I think if things can be at a higher level, we should be pushing ourselves, take ourselves out of the comfort zone. Um, And I suppose bringing maybe to joy, bringing a lot of joy to people in Owlard and Wexford as well is what I'd hope that, you know, when when they mention my name, Ursula Jacob, and they say, oh yeah, she was a really skillful player. You know, she had some fine performances, but that, I was an extremely good team player as well. You know, I never felt it was about me or Ursula Jacob. As I said, it was most important that whether it was Wexford winning or Owlert winning, that was team will always come first. It's not about me, but I I hope that I played a key part in the successes of Wexford and Owlert too. And um, if I ever felt that I wasn't kind of leading by example or having a quiet word with a younger player, because I know what it's like when you come into a setup when you're a younger player, you need to kind of, you know, guide them along as well. So I think, I think there are some of the kind of characteristics, I hope anyway, um, <laughs> that people will associate with me. What's next for you now that you have retired? Well, uh, what's next? Well, I suppose currently at the moment, it'll be the punditry for both Harlan and Camogie. Um, that's something that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, it's been a bit of a balancing act in the last couple of years because obviously when you're still trying to play yourself, yeah. it's like you're constantly either watching a match, playing a match or talking about a match. So at least um, one of those elements is taken out of the equation. But look, I've really enjoyed the challenge of, of doing the punditry. Um, like it's it's tough work. There's a lot of work behind the scenes, as you know. It's not just a matter of turning up to a game and talking about it. There's a lot of preparation. Um, and, you know, as I said, it's a huge challenge. And so I kind of said, I just want to do a good job. And I'm, I, mm. when I'm talking about hurling matches, it should be the same as talking about a, hurl, a camogie game. 
um you know some people say oh talking females or whatever I don't consider myself that I think you and me can have a, a conversation about hurling just as much as Davy Fitz can talk about Camogie or Liam Sheedy or whoever um, and I think the sooner we kind of you know eliminate that kind of conversation the better but um other than that I suppose definitely the kind of coaching element and getting involved in management is not in my immediate plans but it, it definitely is something that I would possibly consider in the future you know I, I have experience of I was involved with WIT at Ashburn management level and we achieved success there but I don't want to jump straight into coaching just yet because I kind of need I feel I need to kind of step away from that side of things at the moment kind of refresh myself and just take a break and nearly just kind of take a breather from it and, and enjoy watching the girls play whether it's with Owlert or with Wexford now uh, and as I said to them after the Club All Ireland I'll be the, their biggest supporter there's not an ounce of bitterness or anything in me all I wish for them is is more success yeah. um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I can look back on that I left on my own terms uh, and I'm looking forward to the next chapter now really well, I'm going to have you on the league final now next weekend <laughs> as well, which will be a lot of fun. And hopefully we'll get a good game. I think we will. Um, look at Galway and Cork. You know, it's a repeat of last year's uh, All-Ireland final. And what a classic game that was. It had everything. It had physicality, skill, speed, stamina. Um, two top-class teams, very conditioned, but well able to hurl. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what kind of what will Cork bring to this? Because I feel like Cork are in a little bit of transition and they've lost some big names, some big players, even from last year. And if Davy Fitz on board, that's always an interesting element. Mm. Um, and like, I can't believe Cork haven't won a league title since 2013. Like nine years, like, I can't believe that. Whereas obviously Galway are looking to make amends for last year's league defeat to Kilkenny. Um, and they're going in with huge confidence too, because obviously on the back of Sarsfields winning the, the Club All Ireland as well, they've got the, you know, the, the McGrath sisters and the rest of them, yeah. the Sarsfields gang back in. I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, I think both teams, as I said, are excellent hurlers, a lot of skillful players. For me, I do think Galway tip, tip the balance in this because I think they're that bit more experience. I think the momentum, momentum is probably going with them. And I do think Cork are in that little bit of a transition phase. They're trying to bring in a more youthful side into, you know, some youthful players into the team. Like they haven't got Hannah Looney, Orla Cronin's not there, Linda Collins. Like that's three, three big players that Cork are losing. Whereas, you know, Galway probably have, have gained a couple of new players throughout the league that have impressed like Anya Keane. Um, and as I said, Sarsfield players will be back in, in, in the four as well. So, Look, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope it's a free-flowing game. It's mm -hmm. not just a free-taking competition between the two teams. But Crow Park will add to that as well because the big space suits suits both teams. And I hope there's a big crowd there as well because they deserve it. And it's brilliant that it's been covered on, on TV as well. Yeah, it sure is. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to spending the afternoon in your company as well. Ursa, thank you so much, not just for coming on the podcast, but for everything over the last few decades. You definitely inspired a generation and left an unbelievable legacy there as well. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Please like, subscribe and leave a review.